Welcome to Geared for Growth. I'm your host, Mike Mortlock from MCG Quantity Surveyors. And today we're talking about buying under market value with Luke Asikal from Parley Property Advisory. It's a topic that we've covered before, but I wanted to take a different angle with this one. First, we talk about what market value actually means to Luke and how we can secure property under market value. Does that mean we have to buy off market? How do agents work and how do their commission structure work in ways that maybe makes them want to manipulate who's selling the property? We talk about doing your research and understanding the market, building relationships with buyers agents, uh, with real estate agents, I should say, and keeping your finger on the pulse and negotiating tactics like setting a budget and sticking to your guns. It's an awesome interview with Luke and I think anyone that's wanting to secure a property under market value would benefit from this. Here's Luke. Luke Asigal, thanks for joining me on Geared for Growth. G'day, Mike. How are you going? I'm doing Thanks for having well. me. No, it's good to have you. You're long overdue. And uh, I'm looking forward to having a good chat to you about this particular topic, which is something that we've touched on a few times in the podcast, and that's buying under market value. I want to I sort of ask a pretty stupid question to begin with. What, what does under market value actually mean to you? Really good question, Mike, and it's uh, I think it's a pertinent uh, question in today's uh, market, um, especially along the eastern seaboard. Um, but under market value is under the perceived market uh, perceived value of the market currently. So uh, under the comparable sales, so for example, if there's four properties and three are selling at a certain range and they're they're very comparable in size, location. Uh, condition and then one sells for 10% lower that could be perceived as under market value or potentially that property may have some uh, hidden things um, that, that have made that sell at a lower rate so for example uh, there could have been a, you know uh, stumping issues or there could have been a, a zoning change or so forth I I I probably ruined uh, the show's ratings even further by sort of quoting the um, the Australian Property uh, Institute's definition of fair market value um, when we were yeah. talking about this previously, right? Because th- there's an argument to say, well, if it's sold for something, then that is the market. Like it transacted in the market. But I'm guessing that mm. there are times where look, it, it's just such that the competition is not quite there or perhaps there's two or three people that would have sort of pushed up the numbers for this property that have actually bought elsewhere. So technically you can buy under, let's say it's rather than saying under market, we could say under comparables. Yeah, you're right. And that would be a pretty a, a correct way of going about it. And it is, you know, it's, you, you're right in saying it's the eye of the beholder because, you know, I always talk about precedence with clients um, because if we've got precedence, it gives you an understanding of, you know, how the market is trending, but then, you know, You've got, you know, basically as an advocate or a real estate agent, they provide appraisals and we're based on the information we see on recent sales. That's how we go off, um, you know, our appraisal. Then you've got the step up, the valuer, and then you've also got a a quantity surveyor. So each profession uses different metrics and how they measure a property. So, you know, it's, it's a question of what, you know, market value would be perceived differently towards every profession yeah exactly and don't use a quantity surveyor's idea of market value because it'll exclude the land and you'll never get it for that Um, (laughs) so so 
let's talk about the the market such as we're in at the at the moment. I think CoreLogic sort of said today there's there's now no market that's showing positive growth on a I don't know monthly or quarterly basis. So across the country, I know you're specifically uh, based in Melbourne, but across the country the market is declining, such as it is. Is that an easier time to be buying under market value than say a buoyant market? Uh, the average punter on the on the street would think so, uh, but it really depends on the asset you're buying. Uh, like what I normally refer to is sometimes when the property is undervalued or they're asking a lower price, there's generally a reason. Um, so with people instead of flocking to it and getting excited and and, uh, and and buying the property, I always say make sure you do your research. Uh, look, it's still for comparable sales. Get a deep understanding of why they're selling. Uh, get an understanding of the uh, the area. Uh, the overlays, um, because there may be a reason why it's discounted. Um, but going back to what you were saying around uh, is it a good time to buy, it depends on the asset you're buying. What we're finding at the moment on the ground in Melbourne is uh, good quality properties are still selling well. Mm. Uh, people are paying a premium for renovated properties now because of the increased uh, construction costs. So properties that are suffering are you know, development sites, properties that need extensive renovation, and also some townhouses and apartments. So in those areas, you could get under market value, depending on what you perceive as under market value. You know, I, we're not at a stage where you can buy uh, properties 20% under market, um, despite the calls we receive every week from people asking that. I was going to say, let me um, let me know when you are. I'll send yeah. you my BSB details. <laughs> I think I'll be buying properties too. Yeah. <laughs> but... There is, yeah, there is opportunities out there. I think there's opportunities in any market, you know, even in a, you know, hot market when there's more confidence, you know, there's still opportunities because there's people that may need to sell quickly, may need to move overseas, or they may be in a financial bind. Uh, and again, hate to say this, but when you smell blood, you know, you, you go and negotiate a deal on, you know, as an advocate, that's what, that's what we're paid to do. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. It's no different to the sales agent advocating for your vendor. I think it's about time that the buyers had advocates for them as well. And, you know, you buyers advocates yep. or buyers agents are still doing a, a very small percentage of, of property transactions. So I think there's, there's yeah. still a long way to, to go in the, in the buyer's favour. For property investors that are wanting to sort of grow their portfolio, which I suppose most of most of them are, there's a lot of talk about, okay, well, we've got to purchase the, the at the right part of the cycle. We want to be sort of in, in you know, a, a growth cycle so that we can redraw equity and go again. But the other sort of part of that is is buying under market value or what maybe some, dare I say, property buyers, agents, spruikers would sort of say instant equity. Uh, maybe it's not. Yeah. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm being unfair saying uh, spruikers. But like instant equity is a real buzzword. Is is that a real thing that property it investors is. can get straight away? It's unicorn, Mike. Um, <laughs> but again, we have had unicorns uh, in in the uh, in my career. Like I've been, uh, you know, I've been in real estate since 2012. Started my advocacy firm in 2016 um, as an advocate. Um, I've had experience that two times. One recently, actually, where um, and this goes down to the benefit of you know having good networks and then being an advocate. We actually had a property in Adelaide. We put an offer on it, uh, and we were unsuccessful. We were the third uh, highest offer. Um, the 
so we kept kept our search, and the uh, the agent come back to us about uh, two weeks later and said the buyers cooled off; they couldn't get finance. Um, there's a offer higher than you, but we want to deal with you because we know you buy strong and we trust you. Um, and we got the deal done, which was great. Um, it was a great result for the client. We got it valued, and it was thirty thousand dollars higher in value. We paid five ten, and they valued it at five forty. That was in Adelaide. So that was a great win. Um, but in saying that, <laughs> over the hundreds of properties I've bought over the years, that's 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 been one. Um, yeah. so, and there's been there was another one uh, that was in Ballarat uh, about before COVID. So yeah, so that, that does happen, but it, it is very uh, it's not very common. Um, as you know, as you may know of valuers, I always say, you know, they say they're independent, they're not and they're not independent. They're, uh, you know, they're, they're influenced by the banks and their risk tolerance. Yeah. So in a lot of cases, you know, even if there, there was case, uh, they'll, they'll always be very conservative with the valuations when they give to the bank. So yes, uh, there is, there's, there's options, but um, I haven't experienced it firsthand um, commonly in Melbourne. So Luke, if we sort of discard the question of you know market value and we just look at say how, how do you get a good deal is there anything that you can advise for property investors that are wanting to get some tips on how they can actually get something that is a good deal maybe not a bargain but something that is a good deal yep uh so it's i always say to clients who want to go out and do it themselves and um uh, and want to find a good deal is they really need to know their market do their research. You know, every suburb has a dress circle. Dress circle meaning there's a pocket in that suburb that properties sell for a premium. Um, it's likely due to uh, you know, the, the proximity to uh, amenities, cafes, transport, uh, water, um, or, or you know, or green space. So you find that there, that that pocket, but also understand the you know the different pull and push factors in the suburb that you know will. will or downgrade a particular area or inferior areas based on value. Once you know that market, when a property does come up, you'll know if they're asking if the, you know they're asking a high price or a low price, or you can you know it's perceived as a bargain. Uh, the other thing is uh, you know really uh, immersing yourself in the uh, the local uh, area that you're buying in, knowing all the agents. Um, it's not good enough knowing one agent in an agency because I've been a sales agent before. There's a thing called boot listings. And an, an agent might get a listing. He won't, might not share it with his team because if he shares it with his team, he'll lose commission. Right. So it's important to know the dynamics. You understand the dynamics of an agency. Make sure they know what you're looking for. Keep in contact with them. Um, that's for two things. One thing is to get off market properties, um, properties that are, uh, you know, that come up that before they go online. But two, uh, there may be properties online right now. And they may be on the market for a while and the vendor is getting to a point where they need to sell because they need to buy something else or they've got financial pressure or it's divorce. There's, there's a range of factors. So if you had that insider knowledge from the agent, you could potentially go for that property, offer them a compelling price and start a negotiation. So it doesn't mean you need to buy it off market to get a bargain. You can buy properties that are online to get a bargain. Uh, you know, I've had, I've had, properties that I've gone auction for and bought them for a bargain um, because I know there was no one interested and I know when it passed into me, I was at a, at a strong position to leverage. So two things, yeah, speak to an agent, do your research and also have an understanding of how to negotiate. 
um, negotiation. It's a very complex discussion, um, but if you understand the basics of negotiation uh, and how to communicate effectively, that's going to really pay dividends in um, in getting a bargain. Some very interesting insights there. Um, the dress circle was a good uh, metaphor there. I hadn't heard of that one before. Um, and a boot listing, that's a new one for me. So I, I, I remember back in the days of, of the EAC, the Estate Agents Cooperative, it was this, this sort of halcyonic idea that, you know, you and I are both real estate agents. I list one and then I give you, you know, a, a fair opportunity to bring your buyers in, but then you would just kind of, you know, tuck the good the good ones under your wing and sort of keep them a bit quiet because you want all the comms. Is that what you're talking about with a boot listing? The Give for Growth Property Investing Podcast is presented by our business, MCG Quantity Surveyors. If you're an investor or a property professional looking to get the best tax depreciation deductions for yourself or your clients, please get in touch with us at mcgqs.com.au. It's our mission to help as many property investors as we can to maximise their claims and maximise their property education as well. Yeah, definitely. Like not many people realise, people, you know, the common misconception or the understanding of that agents get paid a lot of money. They do. Um, you know, they good agents can generate, uh, you know, a, a decent income. But if you're looking at an average agent in a franchise, um, you know, their common splits is, you know, 40% of the full commission. Um, what the other 60% is taken up by, you know, marketing, franchising fees, director's fees and so forth. So what's on top of that? Um, there may be uh, a listing fee, so for example, 30%, and then there may be an additional 15%, uh, so 45% in total, if they sell the property. And But if they list it and they don't sell it, they'll lose some percentage on the fee. So it's all a numbers game. Uh, and most sales agents uh, are motivated by money. So <laughs> when they've got a listing that they think they can sell it themselves, um, they may, depending on the culture of the office and how and how it's been structured, just keep it in their own back pocket and, um, you know, try and sell it to their own database. So there's a multitude of ways. And again, being a selling agent, that's how I've come to understand how it works and, uh, and knowing their language. But having a relationship is really important. Um, and, you know, I laugh at the time uh, when we're doing an active search for a client uh, and I, I kind of uh, compare it to fishing in a way because in any market we buy in, regardless of the budget or the property we're looking for, We'll contact that network of agents, and the first thing they'll say is, "Luke, you don't have enough. You don't have enough money, or that property doesn't exist in this market." I'll call them another time, or a third time, and they've got off markets for me. Yeah. So it's it's really just the, the how you speak to the agent, and what I'm what I'm saying that for for an example is, don't be discouraged when you call an agent. You know, if you've done your research and you understand what's selling in the market, when they tell you you don't have enough money you can confidently turn around and say, well, no, 26 uh, wood groves sold for this much and uh, 16 uh, alpine groves sold for this much. And you can reference comparables straight away and that will give you instant credibility. They'll go, okay, this guy knows his shit. Um, we can't pull the wool over his eyes. Mm. <laughs> and, and, I mean, if you're not going to use an advocate, and I suppose I, I, ask, uh, I ask questions like, 
empowering people to do it for themselves. But um, you know, I'm I, I actually think everyone should be using a, an advocate or a or a buyer's agent. But that is something that you can do to educate yourself if you've got the time. You know, people talk about you know agents having access to Price Finder or RP data, but a lot of that stuff is is out available in the open platforms as well right so you could actually be a student of your own market and say well these are the comparables that i've seen so my budget is x like let's talk that's fair enough right absolutely agree uh, and like you know with how i run my business and how i've grown my business over the years it's you know i've, I've never really had to do a hard sell on a client uh, i left real estate sales for a reason to become an advocate you know i didn't want to sell anymore you know i look at properties now objectively you know if anything i'm talking the client out of buying the property uh and and the thing is that my best clients over the years are the ones who actually actually have tried doing it themselves and have actually got genuine uh challenges like they they don't have time looking on the weekends or they've been burnt by agents or they just don't know the market so i i encourage clients and I'm happy if I call a follow up a prospective client and they bought I'm happy for them I'm going, yeah. great good on you you know I know how hard it is you know what do you get it for you know so I always try and give them tools and go okay well, this is what you need to do and, and then a lot of the time they you know I'll follow up in three months time they're going you're right uh, you know thanks for the advice um, we're going to use you because you're friendly and you helped us um, but we just got to a point where it's just got too hard and we, we need an advocate now so yeah anyone can do it it's just you really need to put time into it it's a full-time job um, you know you'd be living on realist.com domain you'd be calling agents um, and uh, it's, it's a fun ride but um, like I said you just got to make sure you dedicate yourself yeah and I mean we, we talked about negotiation which you mentioned uh, rightfully is a is a completely different <laughs> it's a completely different episode, right? But negotiation, yeah, yeah. negotiation is going to be um, a, a critical way of, of buying under under market value. If we can sort of summarize how you view a negotiation when it comes to buying under market, is it is it the education around your negotiation? I.e., this is what we're offering for because we've seen this go for that, this go for that. The market's declining. I can see there's less people coming, you know, to the opens. Is 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 that sort of one of the parts of the ways that you negotiate on property? Yes, yeah, it's, it's definitely a part. Um, it's really about understanding the personality of the uh, of the the um, agent and also the vendor. Uh, so that you know, that's an education process, and you can take them through that. You know, give them a deeper understanding. You know, I think a good a good tip is always to, you know, create a story for the agent because you're not, you're selling a story to the agent so he can hopefully relay that story to the vendor. Mm. Uh, and, you know, the aim is to get the agent on side because if the agent doesn't believe your offer is compelling, how are they going to sell it to the vendor? Yeah. Uh, so it's really about having that conversation, but then understanding all details, you know, you should be listening like a hawk every conversation you have with that agent about why the vendor is selling. Um, you know, what's important to them. It's not always money. It might be terms. Uh, what are the concerns of the property? Because um, all those information you can use against the vendor or the agent um, in the future um, if, you, if, you're, if, you're ta- if you're tactful with how you communicate. Uh, and also, you know, there's other tips like, you know, using an extreme anchor. Um, so it's an extreme anchor. They're asking a 600. Um, it is comparables around low fives, uh, and you've got enough information that you feel that you can, uh, you know, you can leverage off that. So from an offer of five ten, um, but don't do it in a way that's going to, it's going to, uh, uh, it's going to insult the uh, the agent. You need to do it in a tactful way and going, 
you know, I really appreciate appreciate your time. You know, of you know, I like the property because of uh, these factors. Um, I hadn't known it's comparable with around uh, you know low to mid fives, and this property is on the edge of the suburb, and you know there's you know you're about two k's from a train station. So unfortunately, at this current moment, I can only pay five hundred ten thousand. Um, you know, do you think you know do do you think you will support my offer? You know, and you know try and get the agent to to agree to that, and then you know that's where you start the negotiation. Yeah, yeah. I suppose anything that you could sort of give them as a bit of a narrative that they're going to feed back to the vendor, then that's positive, right? Because in some in some respects, you're selling your offer to the agent and the agent is selling that offer to the vendor, right? So if you can kind of get them jazzed up for the reason why it's worth X, then that just gives them more ammunition to get the sale across the line because, you know, there are good and bad sales agents, right? And the bad ones just want the deal done. Yeah, I can't... Um, I can't count on my hands how many times I've just turned around to an agent blank and just said, okay, what do we need to do to get this deal done? And he just tells me a figure. Um, and, uh, and that figure is, uh, below market value or, you know, it's a bargain. So it's, um, you know, you need to just ask the question and, uh, and have fun with it as well. Uh, you know, I think the best negotiations that I've had is, uh, where I have been very level. I haven't allowed my ego or my emotions, uh, play me and I've just, matched the uh the agent's communication style uh and again that's where i think uh at times it may be a benefit to have a third party a family member um, if they're in negotiation if they're experienced in negotiation or an advocate to come in because that's where i find a lot of people lose uh leave money on the table when they negotiate because they come become emotional particularly home buyers uh and they they they're already seeing themselves looking at the property so they're happy to throw the kitchen sink at it. Where you know we're impartial, you know we're here to obviously get the result. But when you know I, I don't see myself living there. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's crazy that the that the selling agent's just going to say you know it's on for six hundred, but if you give us five twenty, we can wrap it up today. I mean you f- you feel for the vendor in those situations, and I've always heard buyers agents sort of say um, the ones that I love negotiating with are the ones that I would never sell through, <laughs> right? Yep. Yeah, exactly, and that's and that's a um, yeah, it's uh, and that's a testament of um, you know of how the how the agents um, carried himself. But it's um, I love it. It's it's one of, definitely one of the best parts of my uh, of my role, and you know why I do what I do, the negotiation piece. But uh, but yeah, there's a lot of different factors to consider, and it, it really is an art. Let's um let's finish off, Luke. If we can get your your top tips on the ways that people can secure a property under the comparables and and get what is um, we've tried to sort of define with you know pretty dodgy semantics as under market value. Yep. Um, again, what I mentioned before, research is a big key. So you know, make sure you clarify this property and. And it is actually, there's a, it is a good quality property you're buying. Again, owner-occupier has different criteria to an investor. But if we're looking through our investor lens, we want to be in a good location. We want to be close to uh, public transport. If you're in a metropolitan area, uh, you want to be close to cafes, green space. Yeah, if, if the property's selling in a market value and it's on a main road or it's a real dicky floor plan, that may be why it's hard. they're asking that price and, you know, is it really going to be a good investment? Um, is, is it going to attract the right tenant or is it going to, you know, is it going to sell well in 10 years time? Maybe not. So do your research and understand your market um, because, you know, you may be happy you've got the property for a bargain, but 
you're going to be selling the property for a bargain in 20 years time. So mm. what's the point? Exactly. <laughs> um, so that's a consideration. The other uh, other thing is um, uh, just understand have, creating your relationship with agents in, in, the, in the market. So make sure you're, you're speaking to the agents and you're really you're understanding and, you know, you've got your finger on the pulse. So, you know, when an agent calls you about a property, you already know about it. That's when you know your market well. And the, uh, the other thing is just um, stick to your guns. Um, when you're looking at negotiating on a property, um, set limits. So, you know, if you're looking through a, a, a owner-occupier lens, a home buyer, if you're going into a negotiation, be 24 hours before, do your numbers and set a limit and do not go over that limit because in the heat of the moment, you'll get emotional and you'll leave money on the table. If you don't know, if you don't not comfortable with that process or you're not comfortable with, uh, you know, sticking to a limit, go and seek a professional. With investors, it's a bit more clear cut. Investors shouldn't be emotional. Um, so it's still numbers. So you, you, you'll likely be chasing a certain yield. Um, if you can't get that yield for that price, walk away. Um, there's always plenty of other options down the road. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. You get sometimes deal fatigue and you just want to get something wrapped up. But, you know, how much, are you, willing, how much are you willing to pay extra just to have it done? I think patience is, is definitely a virtue in those situations. Luke, um, it's a, it was a great chat and I always learn something in, in speaking to you. Thanks very much for sharing all of your gold today. No worries. Thank you, Mike. Cheers.